Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pop Culture Church Podcast. We are at episode number seven. Uh, glad to be back. It's been a little bit of time. Corey and I will set these things up when we feel like it, not when we're required to. I think that's that's the rule that we live by. Um, but we are starting to see some movies again. Travels died down. So we're back to talk to you about a real fun movie, a couple movies today. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Dave. I'm one of your hosts. And I've uh, been here since the beginning. And my other host is Corey. Corey, you're here. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very good. Um, yes, like like Dave said, we'll set these up whenever we uh, feel like it, okay? <laughs> uh, we are becoming ungovernable. Um, yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, life is good. Things are going well. Had a good uh, had a good workout today, and and uh, Dave and I were hanging out in the gym talking about some of these things. Just another humble brag, you know. Got to start off every time with that. <laughs> and uh, life is life's pretty good. Yeah. So I, I've had had a couple uh, trips myself. Was in Montana and then Phoenix. And uh, Dave, you were in like Alberta, Alberta, uh, Mexico, right? Is, is, that, is that where Alberta is? Uh, wrong, wrong neighbor. Uh, I was in Alberta, mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. Yep. I went up to saw yeah. Calgary and went up House to the mountains. north. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was very fun. I got to see, you know, it's funny. It's when I'm on the road, I like to binge watch like, uh, um, something which I, I can talk about. That's another, uh, show that I, I should mention, but, um, but yeah, it was a great trip and a lot of outside stuff, walking the lakes there, the glacier lakes are unnaturally blue. Um, as much as I enjoy pop culture, getting out in the wilderness is uh, it, it's awesome. It's awesome something I highly yes. encourage it. Now you mentioned I was going to uh, Moraine Lake. I think it's Lake or Lake Moraine, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. mentioned something that I should watch. You want to mention that real quick? Yeah, totally. One of the one of the best um, videos I've ever seen about um, about Banff. If you're not familiar, uh, Banff, um, Canada, and uh, Alberta, that whole thing, and like. Marine Lake is uh, something called the bucket shot. So it's known as the bucket shot because basically you're looking into the mountains. Marine Lake is there. And then the mountains just kind of surround the the lake. And it, it looks like a bucket type of thing, like you're in the bottom of the bucket. And um, <clears throat> anyway, there's a guy, his name's Peter McKinnon. And Peter McKinnon is one of the, he's one of the greatest photographers of our modern day time. He's very good. He's very creative. Um, and he, he, he does these like short videos and this one it's about 25, 30 minutes and it's as good as like any movie you would ever go see type of thing. And he's basically filming his, um, uh, uh, his endeavor to go get the best bucket shot that you could get the best photo. And it sounds the way I'm telling you, telling you right now, you might be like, Oh yeah, cool. Real, real good. No, it's like, it's breathtaking and it's so incredibly well produced and well done if you get 25 30 minutes youtube peter mckinnon the bucket shot and you will not be let down i promise you his stuff is so good yeah because i mean the lake itself is beautiful the in the summer it's all green and uh and the blue it's it's a turquoise blue because the, the water comes off glaciers which pull rock flower i'm told and which makes the water unnaturally turquoise like in color I think what you were saying is this guy w- wanted to get a picture of the lake at the right time when it just when it was snowing and he had to and all yeah. of the timing and the waiting and the uh, you know certainly you could go and it would be foggy and so you wouldn't be able to get a good shot so he had to kind of work it I it's it's a cool idea 
Yeah, and I'll give you a spoiler alert. It was not an easy shot for him to get. That's why it's such a good, good uh, movie. So good, good, good short film. Rock Flower. That's that sounds like something that like somebody in college offered me one time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is what is? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what they told me. I believed it, and I looked it up on ChatGPT, and they yeah. told me it's it's true. So. Like, hey, man, you you want you want in on some of this Rock Flower? <laughs> that's our our tour guide. Uh, <laughs> I believe everything she said, and that's what she told me. All right, well, let's jump yeah. into the episode. Let's see if we have um, – we're going to do a couple things for this episode. We're going to talk about kind of different things we've been watching lately. Um, we're going to just quickly review a movie we watched last night called John Wick 4, a little bit late in the season. It's been – now I think it's rentable on Apple yeah. or Amazon, so um, it's been out there for a while. But the main event is to talk about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 which we saw in a theater, which is another kind of a story in and of itself. So yeah. let's, uh, you ready? We'll just jump right into the episode here. Uh, yeah, totally. All right. Well, let's start with what you, what kind of pop culture have you been engaged with? You want to go first? Do you have a list of things? You've <clears throat> yeah. Done? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. Uh, so I watched, uh, I finished jury duty. Um, so that's, that's the one on prime. Uh, is that on your list by the way? It wasn't on my list, but I did watch it, and it's. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned it. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, such a social experiment. Basically, the premise of it really is. Um, it's the whole Truman Show idea, and so they set up or or Nathan for you. Um, and what's the other one that Nathan did? Nathan Felder or whatever his name is. He did Nathan uh, for you, and then the he experiment. Did. It's like it's like it's called like the experiment or the. Uh, um, yeah. The decision, or something like that. But if you search something. his name, you'll find it. It's an HBO, right? Yeah. Or on Max? Yep. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's very similar. You know, it's so this one's on Prime, um, and basically there's this guy his name's Ronald. He applies to be on kind of like an office, like a The Office type of thing, um, like a Michael Scott or whatever. But it, but it's it's like a. Uh, I say that because it's basically like a. Um, a uh, real life um, virtual reality, real life reality TV show type of thing, where they're they're the the ploy is that they're filming jurors for jury duty, and so he applies for all this stuff, whatever, and um, and he applies for it like I think it's like eight months before or whatever the yeah he responds uh, to like a Craigslist yeah Craigslist uh, ad. and like. 2,500 people or something like that applied for it, I think they said, or whatever, a couple. Of, and um, so anyway, he gets it. But he thinks it's uh, he thinks it's all real. So he's, yeah, he's signing up for it. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. That's right. right? He gets it. Yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, he, he forgets that he, like, applied for this, and it was uh, whatever, yeah. So he shows up to the jury duty deal, and he's the only one. Everybody's act as an actor. Like, the the judge is an actor, the, you know, the bailiff, the uh, – uh, the defendant, the plaintiff, everyone, all the jurors, and James Marsden is in it. Um, and if you don't know him, he's in Titanic, he's in The Notebook, he's in a bunch of things. And um, and so anyway, they're all like, but they're all actors. And um, and so they start down this road where like all these crazy things are happening. And he's like, I he says several times, he goes, I feel like I'm on a reality show. This is crazy. Yeah. Like this can't be normal. Like these things can't happen. All the time, uh, which makes it just funnier. And um, so I, you know, I feel like there's a lot of ways they could have gone with it. Um, but uh, all in all, I was pretty satisfied with it. What, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I loved it. I thought, you know, the idea that, you know, he thinks it's a real case. These are real jurors. It's a real judge. It's a real case. I mean, there's kind of a mystery to it because they go to the 
the site of where an accident happens or and he's like yeah. investigating and so I thought you know it's the show about him kind of sol- trying to solve this case and um but it was more just a, an experiment of putting him in situations and seeing how he'd react and like time and time again he wasn't a goody two shoes kind of a guy but he he mm-hmm. you know he was a regular I, I don't know but he, like he wasn't um um I don't know. He, 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 but everything he did, like, was very earnest. You know, he he cared about the people he was with, like the things that they had him do. Like James Marston played himself too. So he he is an actor and he's famous. And so when he shows yeah. up, he's like, "Look, I got to get out of here. I got I got movies to do." And they're like, "Nope, you got to stay." And so everything he does is like just full of himself. And uh, I forget the guy's name. The the guy that's uh, um, uh, Ronald. This, Ronald, right, the the guy that's yeah. not in on the on the issue. He he just he's nice to everybody. When he it, James yeah. Marston will make ask him to like take a a fall for him on something and he he'll do it. And uh and there'll yeah. be and the fall that, by the way was James Marsden in his hotel room at the place. He like, you know, drops drops a big one in the in the toilet. And uh and so he calls a plumber and <laughs> The basically, uh, you know, he's like, "Hey, I'm famous. You're not. You need to take the the fall for yeah, this. It has uh, to get plunged or whatever." Yeah, right. That's funny. <laughs> it's a great show. It's actually nominated for some Emmys. Um, what? Kind of, yeah. So yeah, up there with um, uh, Ted Lasso and and some others. Like it. It's and I've recommended it to people of all sorts, and everyone university has liked it. So I guess we were to take one thing from this podcast. It would be to watch Jury Duty. It's on Amazon right now. Um, it's it's definitely uh, PG thirteen, right? I mean, there's it's not uh, a yeah. you know it it's got sure. uh, some some things in it, and swearing and stuff. There's some stuff, but but uh, it's it's very good. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. So that I just I just uh, finished that. I'm I'm one episode behind on Secret Invasion, and so that's the the new Marvel series with. with um, with uh what's his name samuel L. jackson samuel and, um, jackson yeah yep um so that and then uh the other thing what do you think is, of that you, this, are you enjoying that yeah it's okay uh it's not that great i i i actually i i really honestly have loved a lot of the shows that marvel has done i loved uh loki um in the end i loved um the one with uh wanda wandavision Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the first three episodes, but in the end, I loved it. And yeah, I just think you know a lot of their stuff is pretty good, but this one, I'm just not invested in the story, the whole scroll thing. Like, I you know, I think the Captain Captain Marvel uh, stuff is pretty good. I think Brie Larson does a good job. I thought those movies were good, but I'm not, I'm just not super invested. And and Nick Fury's character, I don't know, it just. There's nothing special about his character. Like he's not he's not a Tony Stark. He's not a Thor. He's not a Hulk. He's, he's just a dude, you know. And yeah. uh, for some people, that's like so fascinating. But like you can watch any show with just dudes. You want to see some super stuff, you know? Yeah, I guess. So what's your what's your superpower? <laughs> it is like Nick Fury is like this awesome reputation, awesome guy, and yet I haven't really seen him do anything other than it was his idea to organize the superheroes into a team. I think that was his. Yeah. His claim to fame, and 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 as we find out, his relationship with the scrolls is also part of of his superpower, if you will. But yeah, other yeah. The, generally, he's a normal guy. It's it's a little bit different. It's more of a spy, noir kind spy, of uh, show. 
political, you know, in the Marvel universe. But I got to tell you, I just feel, and I didn't think I'd ever say this, is that I just have Marvel fatigue. I think, and I, yeah, I, it's it's not real clear where they're headed. It's a lot of stories that seem to be separated. Um, like you've got the multiverse, and you've got scrolls over here. Like, are they connected in some way? Like, it's kind of hard to follow kind of exactly what's going on. And um, I'm kind of tired of having to like, what did I see last time in order for this to make sense? Like, yeah, I didn't, I haven't seen totally. this Marvel in a while. So they're talking about so-and-so and so-and-so's name. I thought, I don't remember any of that. So now do I have to go on YouTube and get myself up to speed? I'm a little bit, a little bit frustrated with that, a little bit tired of it, uh, frankly. So, yeah. I feel like I feel like they could really benefit from like flashbacks and, and things like that or or like, you know, just kind of uh you know, as seen on previous whatever that that really lends itself to explaining that I don't know, like that episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean I'm with you, I just get lost in it. Yeah, it's a little bit much. I think that must be happening to um everyone uh, to a degree because i think although it seems theaters are struggling even though there's a lot of big blockbuster movies this summer uh, a lot of them have not done well um so uh, i wonder if there's some of that is there's so many superhero movies and we're all kind of getting some fatigue with it but yeah well then the the last thing i'll say is uh i've been this is like youtube and in podcasts, but there's something called the Y files. As I was telling you about this yesterday, yeah. it's been super interesting today. I, I watched the one on, uh, on like, are we in a simulation, which was just really funny and interesting. It talks about the Mandela effect and the, and the, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the slit theory or whatever, mm-hmm. the two the slits, paper slit the, theory. The, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah. The two paper slits theory, whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just like different, different things that, um, that this guy, he does a really good job with it. And it's, it's, it's very like conspiratorial and stuff and kind of gets down like rabbit holes and different things. But it's, it, it really reminds me things like secret invasion, you know, stuff like that, or even like, or even like jury duty. It's all kind of in that like line of like, what is true? What is not, what is real? What is, you know, what is potentially, uh, you know, misinformation or whatever, uh, which I think, you know, will lend itself well to today's uh, discussion around mission impossible. Yeah. But, uh, if, if you get a chance, check out the Y files, it's pretty good. W H Y file. I was going to say WHY files and that's uh, mm-hmm. YouTube or you can get that as a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. Uh, it's the same um, like uh, script, I guess, or whatever. And he just takes the audio from the YouTube and then puts it on, on to uh, uh, yeah, podcast. All right. It's great. So, yeah. And it's the rehearsal, by the way, you'd mentioned the, uh, the rehearsal. That's yes. uh, I had to look it up I had to look it up. So uh, there's lots of good recommendations there, although I would say uh, Secret Invasion, I think we're both, it's okay. Um, But Jury Duty, run to see Jury Duty, and I still have to see some Y files myself. I'm saving it up for my drive uh, this weekend. So It's going to be perfect for that. So the things I've been watching, um, this was something I watched. This was my binge when I had time on uh, vacation, was uh, Muscles and Mayhem, the American Gladiator story. On Netflix, yes. uh, did you watch so this? Good. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I remember the show when it came out. It was late '80s, and and it got popular into the early '90s. Uh, the American Gladiator, which I don't know if it would make it today because there's so many things like it. It really was a pioneer in kind of what it did, but it was a competition, sort of like Ninja Warrior or 
um is it american ninja uh no american ninja warrior yeah. american ninja warrior american, thank you american ninja warrior yeah um i think that's sort of a uh uh, descendant of, of this, but basically you had kind of people who were either athletes or everyday people, and they would play these events against these American gladiators who were these big muscle-bound men and women mm-hmm. who you got to know. They had names like Nitro and Gemini and Ice, and they would play these games like they would joust. They would stand on two platforms and joust each other, and one would fall, and um, or they'd have to tackle each other for like a goal-line stand was a game, and um, well, it's all really physical, you know, games, mm-hmm. and uh, the the story was really about the gladiators themselves, how the how the show was launched, and uh, how they picked the gladiators, and and then as they played, sort of got into their steroid use, their you know what it was like to be on the road, and and to be sort of an actor as a as an American gladiator, um, uh, you know, this was sort of the in the 80s and 90s when Arnold Schwarzenegger was so big. So, you know, big muscle-bound people were all, were all the rage. And so they kind of hit things right at the right time. So they had side projects and things. Um, but I thought what was really interesting about the documentary was the idea is, what's the star of, of American Gladiator? Was it the gladiators themselves? Was it the actual people? They were actors and they, even though they, they spoke very little, they, they, they sort of had a persona that had um, that came through a little bit. Or was it the format of the show? You could have had anyone as a gladiator, and they should have showed that at, they kept expanding the cast. They'd introduce, you know, a new guy, Tower, and the crowd would go crazy. Like they didn't know who Tower was. Um, and so I think the actors wanted you to think that it was the glad, you know, we were the the stars. We made the show. Yep. And I think the yep. documentary did a good job of saying like. Um, kind of as they played it out. I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily true. Like the the concept yeah. was was a big part of the show, and you could have interchanged yeah. the gladiators or not. So I thought that was an interesting idea. What did you think of it? Oh, dude, that that was so good. It was well, it was really nostalgic for me because I was you know I was uh, I don't know probably ten or so, eight to ten when it like you know was in its heyday. Yeah. And uh, and and watched it all the time. Um, and maybe I was even younger than that. Maybe it was like five or six. But we had like I remember on NES we had the game we had the American Gladiators game and so yeah. we would play that all the time so much fun and uh, then years later when I was a student pastor actually before I was a student pastor I was a uh, I was a um, an intern for a church and we did an entire uh, weekend retreat and we did an American Gladiators theme and it was students versus leaders yeah and we had like all these like games and stuff and and uh, it was awesome and i mean it was a very formative show for me in my my childhood and so i loved every single minute of it also they talked about their like they're like they really cracked down on steroids they want to make sure that we weren't on steroids and stuff i'm like the whole world knew you were on steroids and we wanted you to be on steroids like we didn't want some joe schmo normal guy up there like we wanted guys who was popping gym candies left and right and veins <laughs> popping out of his ears that's what we wanted to see you know that's what it was yeah. awesome well, that was uh, – there's an, another – on uh, Netflix, too, there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, and he talks about his steroid use and uh, mm-hmm. using it. Um, but, yeah, I, they, they try to play that down, I think, a little bit as you know, they certainly worked out. But I think there's one guy who said, like, I stopped. And then later on in the documentary, he's like on the – he's on the bus. He's on the road. He's like, I can't get all my needles in my bag. Like, I <laughs> – so it was like conflicting information about how much steroids they wanted to show. Um, yeah, but yeah, that and was then the one guy ends up getting uh, getting arrested basically, or almost arrested because of right. it. But yeah, 
So that was a good, uh, I thought in terms of if you like documentaries and remember that show from your childhood, that was, uh, that's on yeah. Netflix. Um, the second one I'm watching is, uh, it's, I'm Netflix heavy here today, um, is another documentary called Quarterback, uh, oh, which oh, you yeah. have not started watching yet, I don't think, but you would enjoy nope. it. Um, it's, it's, uh, Peyton Manning has put this together. I think he's the showrunner, I guess, if you will of this documentary and it follows the season for last season of Patrick Mahomes, Kirk cousins and, uh, Mariota. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting cause you know, Mahomes spoiler, you know, won the super bowl last year. So he had a great season. Kirk cousins had a great season to start. And I think falls off, which if I recall, mm-hmm. and the Mariota, I think struggled the full year. So it, but it yep. really gets into the life of a quarterback, what it's like to play in the NFL you know, the, the, the aches and pains, the training you have to do, the play selection you have to memorize, um, you know, the fame that goes with it. And then they're also raising families. They have children. And um, the, it's very well done. It's I almost think if you, if you like football, you would enjoy uh, watching this documentary because it's really more about them as people, you know, in this just crazy culture of, of football. The only thing I don't like about it is uh, they make Kirk Cousins seem like a likable guy, and I do not want to like Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I'm a big Packer fan, and uh, he's a Viking quarterback, so I want to yeah. smush Kirk Cousins every Sunday, and uh, I'm watching it, and he's like a really good guy. Um, yeah. Strong Christian guy, has a you know, sweet family, and seems like he has just got a good head on his shoulders, and that's not what I want. I want his yeah. head to be knocked off his shoulders. <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. So I highly recommend that, Corey. You have to watch that. That's good. I'll check it out. Yeah, for sure. Last one I had is a new show. It's still um, not. I haven't watched the end of it, so this is still releasing episodes. It's a show called Full Circle on HBO Max or just Max, I guess. Okay. And yeah, it is a show yeah. directed by Steven Soderbergh. I don't know if you've seen a lot of Steven Soderbergh. Um, and uh, it's a real shaky camera kind of a. It, you know, it's. Um, but it's a it's a drama suspense drama I would call it and uh, I'll if you don't want to be spoiled just fast forward I just I just want to set up the premise of this because I think it's yeah. interesting is uh, we don't really know why but there's a group of people that ends up wanting to kidnap someone's son and uh, what what happens is they end up kidnapping the wrong uh, a friend of his or uh, someone who is uh, close to the son, the son they end up kidnapping the wrong kid. So the the kid they think the kid ends up going home and the parents get this uh, a ransom call for uh, you know for the ransom and he shows up like I'm home and they're like well who are we talking to like they they kind of figure out that they have the wrong wrong boy <coughs> so they have to figure out what do they do do they let it go do they pay the ransom you know why are they going after their son um, and so that's sort of the premise of the story. There's a lot more involved. That's a very simple sort of head start into the what the show is about. Um, it's very good. It's uh, um, a lot of twists and turns with it. Every episode is like um, it's what what you think is is not what you expect, and and um, it's actually it's very good. So uh, that's another show that uh, I'll probably watch at the end called Full, Full Circle and enjoying that very much. That sounds great. Also, uh, we totally missed one huge show that both of us love. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, I'm sure there is, but uh, tell me. The Bear. Oh, The Bear. Well, I haven't finished The Bear, but you're right. The Bear is – yeah, you want to oh, tell me about The Bear? okay. 
yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so season two. So basically, uh, the bear, the long short about the bear is that there's uh, one of the best uh, chefs. He's a sous chef, um, but he's he, like a prep chef, but he's one of the best chefs in the world, one of the you know best sous chefs in the world. He's working at um, at 11 Madison uh, Park Avenue, which is um, the number one restaurant in the world. Actually, that restaurant in real life, uh, they got restaurant of re- best restaurant in the world two years in a row. And because of that, you can no longer win it uh, more than once. So if, once you've won it once, you can never win it again. And um, so anyway, that's a true story. Um uh, is a real place. And so fictionally he worked there and his cousin dies and his brother, essentially brought his brother. Yeah. Brother his brother. That's right. And then he basically like bequeaths this, you know, restaurant, this Italian beef restaurant. He gives it over, um, to the bear, to this guy. And so, um, so he ends up, uh, he ends up, running this Italian beef restaurant and it's the, the, the brilliance uh, of the show is really, it's, it's production, it's direction. I mean, the acting is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. And this, and the plot is really great, but, but I think the best part of the entire show is it's one of the shows you're not going to want, you're not going to want to watch with your phone. Um, put your phone down, really dig into the show. It's artistic. It's beautiful. It's dynamic. It's loud at times. It's soft. I mean, there is, there's episodes where you're like you can't watch them unless you're okay being stressed during that episode, right? Because from beginning to end, it's nothing but stress and like high energy. Um, but it is so good. It's a breath of fresh air for me. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I'll I'll put it easily in a top ten, maybe it enters a top five. It's so good. Yeah. Well, it's so great about you know TV nowadays is that. I think people can take chances like this show is very kind of a very niche situation and, and uh, what, what the plot's about is you have, it's not just a guy trying to run an Italian beef, but a it, uh, restaurant in Chicago, which there, you know, there are a bunch of those types of restaurants that you just, yep. you order your Italian beef and fries and Coke and, and you leave, but he's bringing this culture that we never get to see. It's the high end culture where everyone calls each other chef, you know, and they walk yes. to the kitchen yes, when chef. they, Yes, chef. Thank you, chef. You know, everyone's yep. chef. They don't call each other by their names. Whenever they walk to the yep. kitchen, they turn a corner, they yell corner behind if they're behind you. Like they constantly are talking and mm-hmm. they're trying to get there. Even from an Italian beef restaurant, they're trying to get this the efficiency, you know, from like nine seconds to go from the fridge to the to the grill or whatever. It's, it's five seconds and they time each other because they're. Yep. They're trying to be excellent at what they're doing, even if it's just running an Italian beef restaurant in Chicago. Um, and uh, and the meanwhile, that's it's so stressful, and just and these are stressful people, and the families, it, it they're just they're not built for the stress that they are doing right. in a restaurant. And that's what the show's about: is just this explosive group of people trying to be excellent at something. It happens to be uh, cooking and chef, being a chef. Yeah, it's, it's great. So good. So it's, good. Yeah. It's so, so different than just about anything else. Yeah. I, I just wonder, you know, the bear and what it is, is like so different from like the Marvel and Justice League yep. and like a lot of the, you know, we get a lot of repeats and, uh, you know, sequels and things that, and they're always big budget, but this is like, it's so personal. You know, there'll be an episode yep. about one person and it's slow and it takes its time. And, and, uh, yeah. So if you're ready for something like that, it's, it's great. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So 
we're going to jump into our two movie reviews, uh, John Wick 4 and Mission Impossible. But first, Corey, tell us a little bit what's going on at Redemption. Uh, one of the things we come together for the show is to talk about pop culture in relationship to our faith. And uh, Corey is good pastor at Redemption Church. Tell us a little bit what's going on at Redemption. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we got a couple cool things that are coming up here. Uh, the first thing is we're doing a teacher blessing right now at the church. And so this Sunday and next Sunday, we're taking a special uh, offering for some teachers and we're nominating teachers. We, we decided that we wanted to bless teachers and not students. There's a lot of churches that are blessing students and taking care of under under uh, privileged uh, students. But, you know, teachers, they they have to pay for everything in their classroom. They pay for, pay for all their supplies. They pay for all their decor and everything. And uh, and you better bet that they're expected to have a you know a welcoming and nice classroom, which is crazy to me that that's not you know covered. But so what we want to do is we just want to you know just be kind of a angel investor of sorts to fly by night, come in and just and just bless their socks off. And so we're getting several nominations. We've already had a list of teachers that have been nominated we're going to put them in a randomizer and then we're just going to knock off as many as we can from that list and bless them and fulfill their wish list and so um so even if if, if you would want to give to that uh, let us know because we would love to put more money toward that and just bless these teachers so that's kind of you know the next thing and um we got a couple other things you know socially at the church uh we're going to a city two game on saturday um on august 4th we have a pool party we're doing some things like that just to get get together getting ready to kick off small groups here soon uh back to school stuff is coming up we're in this series right now of colossians and uh and so we're in that for the next couple of weeks and uh and we're excited about that so if you've ever wondered how do i study the bible what does it look like for me to study the bible Come check us out on a Sunday at 5 p.m. and uh, and we'd love to kind of walk you through that and 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 help you understand a book that is ancient but has so much wisdom and value for our day-to-day lives today. And uh, we believe it's the most important book out there because it contains the story of God Himself who loves you and uh, wants a relationship with you. So if you have any questions about that, let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. All right. Thank you, Brother Corey. Um, all right. Let's <laughs> yeah. jump into our. Uh, our review. Oh, um, brother, where art thou? <laughs> and I should, I should always, you should remind me that as we open up the podcast, the one thing that we try to explore is we like pop culture. We like, you know, uh, movies. We like TV shows. We like video games. There's lots of things we like. Um, but we're also, also um, have strong faith, believe in Jesus as our, as our savior. And, uh, and sometimes those things don't match well, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I appreciate, you know, having you to talk through of, of you know the things I watch, is it garbage in, garbage out? Is there some redeeming qualities for these things? Does it allow me to talk to other people and have conversations? Because pop culture is an easy conversation to bring up. Um, John Wick 4 is a great example of this, is because <laughs> this is a movie that's clearly rated R because it is violent. It's uh, <laughs> yes. it, and they all are. I don't know what the body count was. Did you look up and see what the body count? I believe the body count on this one was 140 something. Uh, John Wick four body count. I'll tell you real quick. 151. 151. All kills yeah. by John Wick. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we watched last night. So tell me, what is your impression? Do it, first, tell me what you thought of the movie just from a surface, Corey liking action movies, and then also how do you feel about it in terms of you know, watching John Wick and being a pastor, like how, 
Yeah. Tell me about these two things. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Put you first on the spot. of all, I. No, it's good. I, I loved it. Um, and by the way, his collective kill count is 439, which is just it's just crazy. Right. Um, so how many people has John Wick killed per minute? This is awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, there's uh, he kills. OK, uh, this is good. As a result, there's not a lot of time elapsing between those kills across three movies to date. There has been a kill on average every one minute and 11 seconds of the franchise. <laughs> but they all deserve it. These are bad people. Yeah. yeah. They're bad people. They all deserve yeah. it. So uh, anyway, this is just hilarious. I need to read the, the uh, rest of this article later. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, it's it, it's just like every other. I, I grew up on John Claude Van Damme movies and Chuck Norris movies and, and stuff like that. The difference, I think, is that they, they didn't necessarily kill those people. There's kind of this like there's kind of this code I think of action heroes in the '80s. Like you didn't kill bad guys, right? Like bad guys served their their time. Like they went to jail. You right. know, you knocked them out, and knocked then they were arrested. You knocked them out. Yep. Then they were arrested, and then you know you, you just know that okay, bad guys go to jail, and that's how it's gonna be. I think it's interesting with you know John Wick. It's like no bad guys are are gonna die today. You know, it's very <laughs> different. It's not about knocking them out. Uh, like you're not knocking them out with a nine millimeter, you know, eight shots to the chest. Like they're just, they're dead. Right. So, um, anyhow, uh, you know, that's, that, that's just maybe, maybe a, a, a cultural commentary on like where we're at, you know, in some ways, but I thought it was a, an amazing movie, brilliant movie. It's, um, I kept commenting over and over and over again during that movie, like, wow, that's a great shot. Right. And again, just like the bear, such an incredible production to the movie. It's well produced. The contrast of colors, the contrast of of noise, of the, you know, um, the majority of the movie. I don't know if you thought this, but I thought this. The majority of the movie is actually unbelievably quiet. I would say 70, 60, 70 percent of the movie is well under the volume that we normally hear movies are at. Hmm. Uh, um, um, you know, but it's it's the it's the 30 percent, it's the 35, the 40 percent that's, you know, that's very loud during club scenes where he's murdering everybody. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, I think as a pastor, um, you know, I, I thought about this on the way home yesterday from watching that movie. There was a uh, – <laughs> So weird. Somebody on my Facebook, I'm not going to say who because they might listen to this podcast, but somebody on my Facebook shared a video of a woman being beheaded in the Middle East. Uh, and I didn't know, like, I thought it was going to be a spoof thing or I thought they were going to like, you know, there was going to be they were going to cut out before it happened or whatever. And I just started I, I was watching it. It just popped up and I was like, oh, what is this? And I kept watching it. And I kept watching it. And then I just started crying. And I was like, yeah. I can't believe I just saw this. The difference, I think, you know, between John Wick and that is like that's real, right? right. We can watch 151 murders on on the screen because it's a good guy to a bad guy, and we know that they're not really dead and whatever. But then, you know, the, the real check is like if you ever saw something that was, you know, real, like real violence to somebody, like what what does that do to your heart? So I think we we, we talk, you know, a lot of times like you know, uh, video games or movies, like we can't, you know, differentiate between them yes you can that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard we our souls differentiate and um so if you want to watch you know john wick go uh go through the clubs and kill 151 people go do it have have at it you know you know if if the spirit tells you not to don't do it but but uh you know there's no check like that in my spirit when i watch his movies yeah it's it's sort of it's an artistic 
sorry, expression of, uh, you know, what they're doing with this movie. I mean, none of it is real. I mean, there's nothing. Re- and in fact, I think as the movies went from one to four, it's become more of a, I don't know, in a negative way, but more of a cartoon. Like he's, yes. you know, it's it's like it's not almost a real thing. Like people are shooting at John Wick and he never gets hit. He's They have suits, like normal suits, like good looking Armani like suits that are bulletproof. And so there'll be someone running at him shooting and he just lifts his coat up a little bit and that deflects all the bullets and then he's able to get them back. And so, you know, there is a complete suspension of belief when you watch these movies. Um, It's interesting you talk about like the real violence. I remember I didn't see something as bad as what you saw, but I remember seeing it was a um, in a football game. I think it was at a Carolina football game and it was a guy, two guys were like yelling at each other. And then one guy just goes off and just hits this guy in the face, boom, 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 like right on camera and kind of knocks the guy out. And I just felt sick to my stomach because yeah. it's not a it's not artistic. It's not, you know, it's no. not fake. It's not justified. It's just violence, you know. And yes, I don't know. I guess you know someone would say, look, it's all violence. You know, we're creating a, a culture of violence. Um, I, I guess that is you have to kind of check yourself to to ask what, what the spirit is leading you to do. I think I find like John Wick, it's it's good versus evil. The the the, the action is sort of unbelievable, and it's more of a yes, as you talk about the photography and the um, you know it's happening in Paris. Um, I think there's a part where they're in the desert. Casablanca. Uh, yep. Yep. And uh, I mean it's just it's beautifully done, but it is a cartoon. If you don't, you know, care for people getting shot in the head, because that's basically how everyone has to die, is because <laughs> everyone's wearing bulletproof clothes, uh, so you got to hit them in the head. But, but <laughs> apparently, like a four-inch knife can go through no problem. It's just a bullet can. That's right. And John Wick is regularly <laughs> falling from like 50 to 100 feet, hitting things on the way down. That is not a problem for him. Yeah, he will be up and running in just a few seconds. Uh, I think he got shot off the top of a building uh, yes. in the, in the end of three and by four he's he's on a horse riding in Casablanca he's fine uh, yeah. so it's, well, to, to, to be fair the director said there's eight months between three and four in, okay. in, in their time yeah yeah but still yes now be prepared the movie does not have much of a plot um, and Keanu Reeves does not speak much but uh, so understand what you're going for is just uh one set piece of action David, after another. David, they know what they're going to see. You know, <laughs> I mean, if you've seen the first three, you know what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's jumping into John Wick 4 without seeing one through three. Yeah. Now, can you have a favorite action scene that you recall? What was your favorite? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, the stairs could have been awesome, but then, like, spoiler alert, uh, I don't want to say, but it ended up not being my favorite uh, because okay. of something that happens. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I okay, okay. I think in the hotel when they're in Japan and uh, all the like people come in to basically decommission the hotel. Right. That that's a cool that 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 oh, yeah. those opening moments are. It's all neon lights. It's like there's in a museum of glass everywhere. Yeah. It's it's that's a great one. My favorite is there's a point. At the end, he gets a rifle that is also that shoots incendiary ammo. Yes. Yeah. And they show him going through 
like an apartment or uh, a place with many doors and many walls, but they show the they put the camera up on top, so you're looking at him straight down, and he is just uh, blast. And you can see as he's hitting, like the the, the gun shoots out fire, <laughs> like it's. And, yeah. But they track yeah. him going through this building with the camera kind of top down, like almost like a video game. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's 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 amazing. It's what they've done with. Uh, so that's what you see John Wick for. It's the the yeah. camera shots. That's the, it. There's an artistry to it, but listen, nobody day. nobody went to a John Van Damme movie for the love story. Nobody went because he's such a great actor. They went because he was an '80s action hero, you know. Yeah. And the same with uh, with Keanu Reeves. He's just an action hero. Yeah. So I I would recommend it, but only if you like uh, John Wick stories. I, I I think if you start with one and like loved it, then you'll you'll be fine moving on to two, three, and four. But uh, not a lot of range. There's not a lot of range nope. in the John Wick movie. Nope. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. So that was uh, one movie we want to watch this summer. The main event, though, is Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One. Big title. Yes. And listen, hey, just as a as a quick aside, before we even move forward, I have IMDb opened over here on Mission Impossible, and I don't know what this says about my search history or like who I am or what I'm going through or whatever. Uh, but the two the two ads that keep uh, like circling is number one Pedialyte, okay? Okay. And and number two depends. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. What's going? What is? Oh, oh, here and then Huggies uh, flushable wipes. Okay, so like I don't know, like I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I'm what are you speaking to Google over? Yeah, that's that's concerning. Dep- Depends. Up to 12 hours of protection for him and her. There we go. Anyway, I don't know what's going on. Okay. I'm just distracted by these depends. Yeah, just block it. Block it out. Block it out. Yeah. Our our listeners need a little little laugh there. Okay. All right. Keep going. All right. So first, the first thing I want to talk about Mission Impossible, before I ask if you like it, is the theater that we saw it in. So I just want to talk about that for a second. So we have in St. Louis a new theater that opened up uh, run by B&B Theaters. Uh, which I don't know how national that is. I think there's I, there's yeah. one in Kansas City. I think it, it's definitely Missouri. It might be out there a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, they just opened up a new one, and I saw they have a one of their their number one screen is called uh, Screen X. Which Screen X, what it is is it's you watch the movie on three screens. You have the main screen in front of you, which most of the movie is is played on, but then you have two screens to the side of that, which are angled in almost like a wraparound fashion. So whenever the mm-hmm. movie goes to widescreen, it goes it plays across all three screens and if you're as you're sitting in your chair, you are your vision is immersed by the screens, right? You're like as he's driving yep. down a street, you're seeing sort of the side of the buildings going beside you, not just in front of you. Um and you had it right, you're like probably not the whole movie will be on all three screens. Uh, which was true. Sometimes it was just talking. They would just kind of go back to non-wide screen and they pan it out when there's a car chase or or any exciting uh, scene that they had. Uh, yeah. I loved that theater. I mean, I thought this is yeah. a new technology that I hadn't thought about before. It's always been about IMAX, big. Like, here's a screen. Here's a bigger screen. Here's, here's <laughs> sound. Here's a louder sound. Um, this was different. It was not bigger necessarily because – which I think, you know, when it's too big, like it's hard to focus, like you don't have to turn your head around. But like with the three screen idea, you don't have you still look forward, but you you're immersed in it because the you know, it's sort of your vision is is completely captured by what's going on. 
I thought it was great. What did you think of the theater? Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, B&B, by the way, they're in 14 states, probably about 100 locations. So they're around. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I had a friend that basically texted me and said, hey, I saw that you saw it on Screen X. Was it worth it? And it was about 25 bucks a ticket. Yeah, it was right? like 25 bucks per ticket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave bought. I don't know. So I didn't know how much it was. I, we, 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 we went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. I covered dinner. He covered the, the theater. But um, yeah, so I think I think the thing about the 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 theater for me, what like what I said to my friend Ryan is I was like, dude, here's the thing. It's a great concept, the same way that 3D was a great concept in the very beginning, but it wasn't a great execution. And so I'm excited to see kind of how this uh, how this technology really grows, because um, I remember I don't know about you, but I think the first 3D movie I saw was a Pirates of the Caribbean. It was like the second one. And the only thing that really popped out was there were some yellow jackets that kind of came out at me. There was like the mast of the ship was 3D at one point and like a splash of water once or twice. I mean, that was it. Right. And they they touted it like, oh, it's going to be 3D. It's going to be the greatest experience in the world. And I was like, that sucked. Like, I don't know what's going on. I think for the I think for for uh, theater X, um, I had a similar feeling. There were moments where I was like, this is so cool like the the submarine in the beginning was on all three screens all this stuff but the majority of the movie wasn't really experienced on all three screens it was just kind of the periphery the periphery screens on the left and right were just kind of a you know continuation of whatever the color on the the predominant color on the on the main screen was so this is my suggestion my suggestion is go see it on on a screen X, go see Oppenheimer maybe on screen X which by the way speaking of theaters there's only 19 theaters in America that are showing Oppenheimer on 70 millimeter. Um, the rest of the even the IMAX theaters aren't showing it on full IMAX capability, which is really interesting. And none of them in, in Missouri yeah. are doing it. Yeah, I saw the only. Yeah, I was thinking. I think the closest one is in Indianapolis, I think. And I yes, I looked it up to see where because I thought, am I going to see it? I mean, Christopher Nolan deserves all my efforts given how much enjoyment he's giving me but i thought am i gonna go all with indianapolis to see it? No, let's yeah. do it dude let's let, let's let's do a road trip <laughs> so so anyway super interesting but 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 my suggestion would be just like 3d grow up with it like grow up with the technology go watch a movie quickly on screen x if, if not mission impossible something else maybe barbie but watch it quickly <laughs> and and then and then uh you know in 15 years from now like dude i i mean avatar the way of water we saw that on 3d and you should not watch that without 3d right it was great. it was Oh, it was incredible with 3D. Right. So, so there, you know, just grow with the technology. Don't get upset about it. Don't get all, you know, weird about the technology. Just know that it's going to be better. And uh, and you got to see one of the first movies on screen next. Yeah, I mean, I do think like there would be a point where they went into a de- the desert, and there was a shootout. And when they went from inside to him outside, you know, all of a sudden the two screens, all three screens, open up. Yes. It's all desert in front of you, and it kind of like takes your breath away. Now, uh, it would be nice if the whole two hours, two and a half hours or whatever, you know, is kind of that immersive, immersive experience. But, um, yeah, right now it's sort of I think they're making the movie where they do, you know, widescreen and non widescreen. And then the three screens can accommodate that. But, you know, if this really catches on, will they start making movies with the idea that we want to utilize all three? And, uh, you know, maybe you have something flying around, you know, across all three that you, you know, you really use that immersive experience. So 
Um, well, I agree. Listen, in, in in the words of Tom Cruise, show me the money. <laughs> right? It is expensive, yeah. And, and but if there's money in it, they'll they'll make those those movies that way. That's true. That's right. Because I do think theaters have to be creative in how they're showing the movies. Because like in my house, like I have a projector, and it's yeah. not the quality of being in a theater. It's not as loud, and um, but it, it it's better than a TV. And yeah. if I watch that, and I have to get out of my house, and I can pause it and. <laughs> have my own popcorn and stuff like that. Like there's quite a few movies I'm more than happy to watch here, but yeah. uh, like Oppenheimer, I might want to see on three X because that, that might know. be, I'm sure there's a lot of talking in Oppenheimer. Um, but you know, when that mushroom cloud goes, do I want to see it on one screen or do I want to see it on three screens? Sorry. That. Wait, what are you talking about? Mushroom cloud. Oh yeah. You don't know the plot. Yeah. Was, it, was, that, was that a, a spoiler? spoiler? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to any idiot out there who doesn't know history, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Mission Impossible, start with this question. What did you think of it? Did you like it? And what did you like about it? Or yeah, I, I thought I thought it was really good. Um, I think that I think the Mission Impossible. Um, well, first of all, do you? Okay, so it's called Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, right? Yeah. Do you know what Dead Reckoning means? Uh, I think it has something to do with the submarine, right? Isn't like where it uh, is floating uh or or was it the missile like when it's not uh okay it's, it's rogue i don't i i thought it had something to do with the submarine so they what's interesting is they only they only say dead reckoning in the first the first scene uh, it's something to do with the submarine yes but the actual like phrase the term dead reckoning is uh is this it's a it's a it's a seafaring uh phrase okay so listen to this the process of calculating one's position, especially at sea, by estimating the direction and distance traveled rather, get this, than by using landmarks or astronomical observations. Hmm. So a dead reckoning is the way to is the way to measure how far you've traveled from point A to point B without using anything uh, to, to anchor your reality. So you just direction, speed. And yes. That's it. And that's and that's like the dead reckoning that we went from point A to point B by dead reckoning was blank. Yeah. And it's it's somewhat of an estimation in some ways, or it used to be. Now it's more you know done by by instruments and can be more accurate. But I think that is so interesting. The the term the phrase that they've used to to name this because as I'm watching this show, I know we're going to get into this, but or I'm, I was watching this movie. I know we're going to get into this, but. One of the things that you think about when it when it comes to this is that there's no landmark for truth in this movie. There's nothing that is like anchoring what is reality, what is not reality, what is truth, what is not truth. So I, you know, I think that's a that's a very interesting interesting thing. Um, and then, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was unlike any of the previous Mission Impossible's in many ways. Um, they all linked together. It was very similar, but it was, you know, they don't necessarily just kind of run the playbook with this one. They really bring in modern things, uh, as you know, as we know, uh, I think from the, you know, uh, trailers and whatnot, but it was good. It, I was watching, I was yeah watching some YouTube videos and listening to some podcasts and they were saying that it might be the film of the summer. Mm. I don't know about that. We'll see. Barbie's uh, got 
I think Barbie may be the <laughs> movie of the summer. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that this is the movie of the summer, but but it was very good. So yeah, I, I there's lots to talk about in spoilers. I'll just say you know for me I I enjoy Mission Impossible movies other than two. I didn't like two. The uh, yeah two was uh, I I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember feeling like the uh, story was really disjointed. But um, yep. from three on, I I they're all great movies and. Tom Cruise is amazing. He he just sells it, and uh, I'm all in on Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise's career basically spans my lifespan. So, um, so I you know he is just a easy actor for me to to enjoy, and I got to give it to him. You know he does his own stunts. He pushes the envelope. He really wants people to be in the theater and see it on big screens, and I can appreciate all that. And so he gets to show all that off in the Mission Impossible movies and Top Gun movies, and. I guess I don't know what else he, he might do, but um, I think if you go with that idea, it's it's fun, it's it's action packed. You know, that was it was what a three hour, close to a three hour movie. Yeah, I think uh, it's very long. And there are some movies. Red, red time is two hours and forty three minutes. Yeah, so it is. I mean, even John Wick, I think at I checked my watch a little bit more than, mm-hmm. um, which is also a very long movie. But I thought the uh, Dead Reckoning was was. Um, was very good. I enjoyed it. If you like any of the Mission Impossible, I don't know why you wouldn't like this one. I like the music of the soundtrack for Mission Impossible. I like how each movie kind of plays that iconic theme song in a different way. Um, it's just it's catchy. It just works. So yeah, I think it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But there are some sort of downsides to it and some interesting things they had to take from it. I just want to jump right to the spoiler side. So um, at this point, I would pause it. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. And then we'll talk about some spoilers. Unless you have anything else to talk about before spoilers? Uh, the only thing I would say before spoilers, uh, we've probably already lost a few, few listeners. That's okay, though. Uh, the only thing I would say is I listened to a to an interview with Tom Cruise, and they said, they said uh, in light of um, Indiana Jones coming out and uh, Harrison Ford playing at – he's 82, right? Yeah. I, I, is that is right? he I think, that old? I don't know. I think he's he – uh, hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. Look at look at this. Uh, he is 81. He's got okay. to turn 82. Yeah. And so the question was, do you want to be playing Ethan Hunt in your 80s? And he, and he said he said I for sure want to be playing Ethan Hunt for a, at a minimum another 20 years. Dude, that's. I mean, I'm how sure. many Mission Impossible's are you gonna get in there? But. Yeah. How many planes can you jump out of? Like, <laughs> and how can you keep well, pushing the envelope with it? That's right. And speaking of which, the the next movie, The Dead Reckoning 2, if you look at the trailer, he's standing, you know, presumably without a parachute and whatever, on the wing of like a, a uh, World War II kind of era plane, like twin prop, you know, type of deal. He's sta- standing on the wing of it as it's going through the air, and then it does an inversion, and he's like hanging upside down on it. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's their shtick for, for the, the next one, because the shtick yeah. for this one was going off of a cliff. I mean, it's interesting. Like, and I, I haven't seen the Indiana Jones movie yet, which is a crime. I just love Indiana Jones. Um, but I would be okay with having different actors, you know, younger actors start to play kind of like James Bond, right? I, yes. I, you know, Harrison Ford is just one of my favorite actors of all time, for sure. Indiana Jones, Han Solo. But, you know, at yeah. some age, it's just you can't sort of carry the story. Uh, you right. know, run around and sort of do all the actiony things when you're when you're in your 80s. It's just hard. So, um, I don't know. I mean, Tom Cruise might be the one person that can that can make it happen. 
Well, he, uh, he never ages, so he probably could make it happen. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Well, uh, <laughs> let's go into spoilers. Okay, so yeah. this is now spoiler territory. Um, first thing I want to bring up, um, there's quite a few things in the story. So basically, the first thing is the enemy is called the entity. It's a story yeah. about AI gone rogue, um, sort of a chat GBT, which, as you talked about, kind of gets into the fact of what's true, because uh with the ai being sort of all powerful at this point it can it can change communications it can predict what you'll do there's a lot going on in the movie where they talk about does it want us to do this or does it think we will do the opposite because we know they he, that the ai knows that we would do this normally so it knows that we'll, we're going to switch it and so they're they're second guessing themselves because they don't know yeah. what the algorithm that it's using to predict their actions um yeah. So what did you think of the entity, the, an AI program? There are some humans uh, somehow that has been recruited by this AI <laughs> that is, so there is a human face on some of the uh, antagonists, but um, how, what would you think about that as, as the villain and an AI program? Brilliant. You it's do a, like it? It's amazing. Oh, dude. I thought it was, I mean, listen, we're, you know, we're, we're at this place right now where we are, um we're split half of half of the world i mean intelligent people elon musk and 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 people who you know that the head of google uh you know intelligence just left and of the ai development and like uh, just left google because he, he disagrees with uh what they're doing and, and advances around ai like we, we have very intelligent people that are scared to death and they believe the only possible outcome when it comes to AI is that they become violent and essentially deem us as people who, um, who are a threat to fulfilling whatever, you know, thing that they're programmed to fulfill. Um, and so we have to be killed and taken out. And so because of all that, I mean, we're at this place, I think where, uh, we, we actually need to seriously consider, um, what, what, what is, uh, uh, right or wrong when it comes to AI and are they a villain? Can they become a villain? And so when this movie villainized them and the way that it did, or, or I just said them, gosh, dang it, dude. Like I'm giving <laughs> pronouns to these, to this freaking thing. When, when, when this movie villainized AI, the way that it did, I was like, yeah, this is brilliant. I mean, this is, this is exactly what we need at this, at this cultural moment. Well, I just, this, I didn't think of this for the podcast, but, um, I have a research report that I would get regularly in my job. It's a, I do an investing related job. And so um, people will regularly send research reports on different topics and AI is all over the place in terms of investing in big companies, Google, uh, Microsoft, Nvidia, all those, but it's also affecting all companies, you know, how we um, do customer service, you know, it might be an AI chatbot that you respond to and you won't know the difference between a human and an AI. So there's this research report that I really respect, and they wrote this blurb here. I'll read this to you. Uh, we think the pr- potential productivity gains from AI are far larger than what studies estimate. In our report that they wrote previously called ChatGPT and the Curse of the Second Law, we argued that the global economy is approaching a phased transition on par with the agricultural and industrial revolution. Which is controversial, right? I think some people think it's so a small true. change. If no, it's, it's not. If it's as no, big a change as, as the Industrial Revolution, that's crazy, right? That's a huge. 
Both of these early revolutions saw growth increase about 40-fold from the previous epoch. uh, epoch. Uh, A similar jump in growth, this time sparked by a super-intelligent AI, would cause global GDP or gross domestic product, as a measurement of our growth in the the globe, to double every year. And this is the kicker. says, while there is more – this is them talking now – while there is more than a 50-50 chance that humanity will fail to survive this transition, the presence of oh. cosmic selection bias ensures that countless versions of you will still enjoy the coming economic cornucopia. It's So they also believe in sort of a metaverse what? as well, and they feel like more of our – of all the metaverses that we live in, uh, there are some AIs that will destroy humanity, and there are some that will just enjoy the fruits of its labor. And they're saying there's the one that we're living in, which also, which may t- totally debunk people's feeling that this is a credible research report. But basically, the point is that they they believe that there's like a 50-50 chance that we survive an AI super intelligent computer, which is crazy, right? These are, are yeah. respectable yeah. people that you know write yeah. research reports for a living. Right. Also, uh, you know, I, I just listened to. Uh, one of the episodes on the Y files was talking about just kind of like, are we in like a, a, um, a whatever reality? What do you call those things? Like a kind of like a matrix, a yeah. not, not augmented, but it's a, uh, yeah, we live in a simulation. Simulation. That's exactly what I was looking for. Simulation. <laughs> um, yeah. So are we in a simulated reality? And really interesting. They asked um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. They asked Elon Musk. They asked a bunch of people, uh, are we in a, simulation like what's the chances that we're in a simulation and um and uh musk he said he said they're um basically he's like he's like the odds are one in one billion that that we're like actually in a like that that we are not in a simulation that we're in a base reality and oh that we're so so he so he he believes that we're in a simulation in a simulation yeah which is it's just fascinating, like what people believe around this stuff. Like I don't believe we're in a simulation, but there are people that believe that. And um, anyway, so the fact that this this organization, you know, says what they said, like it doesn't really upset me. Um, no, I. Yeah, so anyway. yeah, I mean, as from a faith perspective, it's not compatible, right? <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I I haven't given this much thought, but it is. It's interesting that people. Um, are starting to think these big thoughts because, um, well, one, you know, it's funny that Elon Musk, if you said, you know, I believe in God, like they may, or, or scientists may, I believe in God, and might feel like we're, we're crazy for thinking that. And then we'll turn yeah. around and believe that we live in a simulation, totally on board with that, right? That's, that takes a faith they greater. They literally said, they said most people who believe in simulations are atheists, which is interesting because that's a, that's a, its own type of faith. Yep. Yeah, right. So, well, Ethan Hunt is here to destroy AI. That's our 50-50 <laughs> chance. We have Ethan Hunt. Um, but you thought you like the idea of the AI as as the 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 bad guy, the entity. Um, I I loved it. It was so good. It's 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 purely adaptive, uh, you know. And so it's like the whole invasion of the body snatchers type of thing. Uh, I mean, this thing is it's always taking on shapes and shifting, and it's always using people and it's augmenting reality. It, it, and it brings the question to us like, what is true? And I I, I think one of my thoughts that I, I want us to talk about is this literally changes truth in 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 this reality in this movie. If they are, if they're in, if they are like 
in a um, if they find themselves in a place where they're now like being kind of um, they're they're in a different reality. Let's just say that like they're they're given a different reality through artificial intelligence in the second movie. Uh, I don't. I think the fight. This is just my hypothesis. I could be I could be so far off on this. I think that they will end up uh, fighting the AI on its own terms and somehow in some sort of like augmented type of reality that they find themselves in like a metaverse or something. I think it's going to bring something like that. that something something because, like that. Yeah. Yeah, because I because I don't think it's just gonna stay like in our you know uh, binary you know something is it there's there's it's physical or metaphysical. I think it's gonna go into kind of an internet driven whatever, and they're fighting somehow on a source code like inside something or whatever. And if that's the case, then the question is what what is what is reality? What's right. you know and and how do you deal with a difference uh, of truth and in reality in this new new world? Because reality is decided by the creator, truth is decided by the creator. When you have an AI that is then created something, is augmented something, and you're walking into um, a, a new world based off the metaverse, then who decides what what is true and who decides what is real? And and, and I think that's one of the things that we haven't confronted. I think when it comes to things like AI, you know, for us, we're believers and we believe that God created this world and that he decides what the truth is and he gets to decide what reality is and what is not reality. And that's off the natural order that he created. But if you have an AI that's creating things like metaverse, like all of a sudden reality gets distorted and twisted and truth gets chosen. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's just a very interesting cultural commentary that our culture doesn't really want to have a truth that they're subjected to. They don't want a reality that they're subjected to. They want to decide for themselves. And I think that this this movie's pushing on that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It it's um, there are a couple of things up that it brings as a villain to the movie that I thought was really interesting. Is one, you know, Ethan Hunt is the guy running. You know, Tom Cruise. That's one thing about Mission Impossible or any Tom Cruise movie. He's constantly running. This guy. Um, always yeah, running he's running and always. he runs a lot in this movie but he's on he's oh. out he's running he's shooting he's jumping um but he's got to have a guy on the computer in the back got to always got to have you got to change the video camera feed you got to get the information you got to track voice you know face recognition where's the where are the people at but then if the ai is the bad guy the the person the guy in the computer that's helping you out is is rendered useless like there's part in the movie when it does a uh, copies the voice of one of his cohorts and, and gives him the wrong you know wrong place to run and and uh, gives him the bad yeah. directions and so right. that whole that whole part of it makes it ineffective and then there's also they they once they are concerned about the AI um, they show a, a scene where they have all these people in a room that are just typing physical copies of all the data that they have on computers because they don't want to lose it and so they're yes. furiously typing typing. I wonder if that's that that's an interesting idea. Would there be a day where we're gonna want physical data because you know, we do we lose control of our, you know, privacy of our, you know, kind of control over our data someday through an AI either or maybe just normal people running large corporations and not having our data. Like will we want to have hard data of this stuff? I think yes. that's an interesting question. Well, you know, like like one of the uh the 
this just happened recently, but I, you know, I, I rent cars on Turo and this is back. I don't know, maybe, maybe March actually is, is a while ago, but, but I, but I had a, a um, had a renter that they, they had three, three tires stabbed out the, the, of my car, the, the rear, the rear window was shattered. It was, it was keyed from front quarter panel to rear quarter panel. It was just awful. Did John Wick thousands. John Wick rented it. He got <laughs> shot up. It was brutal. <laughs> Uh, he killed six people in it. Anyway, uh, it was just, it was just crazy. But anyway, so um, I, I I almost got screwed because um, I used to I used to have like a, a folder of photos of the car, and the condition of the car hadn't changed. So I was like, well, who cares? I'll just like keep uploading these photos. Mm-hmm. And they tell you you got to take updated photos. I'm like, they're not gonna know. Yes, they do, because th- they looked at the metadata behind the behind the photo. And so I sent those photos in and they texted me and they're like, Hey, just so you know, in the source source code of the photo, like the metadata shows that like these photos were not taken, you know, now they were taken four months ago Oh boy! and I had to like, I needed to submit photos that were taken within 24 hours of the rental. And I didn't have any cause I didn't take any. Now the good thing is the renter took photos beforehand. So it, uh, you know, it, I was fine, but, all that to say that, um, yes, I think like, you know, uh, digital um, photos or documentation or whatever, it, it, it can be taken, it can be hijacked, it can be manipulated. But also, I think we're doing a fairly good job with technology that it really is stamping a lot of the reality, a lot of the true details into the photos or into the documentation, which is a good thing in the end. Yeah, interesting. Well, I want to ask you about the um, the opening scene of the movie with the yeah. Russian sub, and that's how we're introduced. To the AI is apparently the source code is in a Russian sub. Um, there's a key that unlocks the box that gets to the source code. I guess whatever. That's that's the deal. The key comes into two parts, and you got to slide it together, and that will open up the box that you can yep. I don't know get in the wires where all the source code is, whatever that means. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so the, the AI takes over, uh, makes the sub think that there's an American sub nearby. They feel like they're, they're having a battle. It's all, it's a fake, it's a ghost. There's no American sub, but the Russian subs end up shooting a missile, a torpedo at the Russian American sub. It's not there, but it takes control of the missile, sends it back to the Russian sub. The Russian sub explodes, everyone dies. And the source code sinks to the bottom of the ocean, right? Yep. yep. The rest of the movie is basically they know that there is a entity out there, and it needs yep. a key of some sort. I, I don't even know exactly if I can pull this together, but somehow they're aware of the entity <laughs> and they know the yep. key is important. The whole movie is about getting this key. And what's interesting is that the people in the movie, Ethan Hunt, the CIA, the bad guys, everybody, they want the key, but they don't know exactly know what the key is for. What it's for? Yes, but we do. We know what the key is yes. for because we see the yes. opening scene. We see the sub sink. We know yes. that the key is used to open this, the box and get the source code. Do you think that was a bad decision to show us what the key used? So because, you know, it's it's interesting. Usually when we watch this, they're trying to figure something out and we're following them and discovering the answer. We're here. Yeah. We have we're given the answer right away. And then only the people in the movie are confused as to what, why they need this key, what it's for. Right. I thought that was an interesting question is, is was that would they have been better to at the end have them figure out what the key is for, which they do. They find out it's for the sub at the very end of the movie. 
would have been better to show the sub scene at the end or at the beginning of part two rather than and so we would have been surprised at the end when they show the sub we would all been like oh it's in a that's what the key is for i I thought that was interesting choice and interesting question what do you think about that well i think you know the um ultimately what what we're talking about here is is burying the lead right and so like they they you know but uh it's not what what the other day we were talking about this. I said, I don't think that they're burying the lead. I think they're burying the lie because I think that, I think that we're going to find out in movie two that there's no, like, like maybe that entire thing is actually part of the hoax. Like there's something, I, I just don't understand why they would, if, if, if that really does stand, I mean, how many mission impossible movies have you gone to and everything stayed like above surface and exactly as reality yeah, said right. it was from beginning to end. It's all misdirection, don't. right? It's everything. Like, I mean, listen, if we know, if you know anything about our like government and CIA and all this stuff, like they are big, big, big on, on misinformation, misdirection, especially when it comes to foreign entities. Like this is how wars are fought. They're fought through misdirection, misinformation. And so I think that, uh, you know, these movies do a great job of capturing that. I don't think they're burying the lead. If that's the case, then it's stupid. And it was a really bad choice and it was dumb. Um, but I don't think they're burying the lead. I think they're burying the lie. I think they want us to, to buy into that. But ultimately, I think it's going to become something else in the second movie. If that's true, that's interesting because that's a very long con in a way. Like you – because you measure the movie. Long con. Right? On its own to this point and i thought it would have been almost better to do it a different way but yeah it, it, if it doesn't pay off until a year or two later which who knows with the writer's strike and the actor's strike how long it's going to be till yes. part two comes out um because that is interesting if the if the ai knows that you got to keep these people busy and though they like chasing they call it MacGuffin, you know the the item that everyone's searching for, the the idol, the key, the you know whatever, yeah. and so if that's an interesting thought, so that maybe the whole thing is not necessary. It's just it was just to keep them kind of busy and occupied and fighting. Um, that's interesting. So you think the key ends up, you'll get to the sub, they'll try and unlock the box, and it's like this doesn't work, or there's nothing in the yes. box. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ultimately, I think that's what's going to happen. Also, I just had to look up MacGuffin. I've never heard of this before. An object or device in a movie or book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. That's so good. What does that yeah. come from? Do you know? MacGuffin? Uh, I, does it not say there? It, does it come from a uh, original movie? Uh, the, the MacGuffin in this intriguing comedy is an unpublished novel by a young writer killed in the war. No, I mean, it's just, okay. just gives an example. Yeah, oh, Origin. Here we go. Here we go. Origin. 1930s, a Scottish surname coined in the sense of the English film director Alfred Hitchcock, allegedly from a uh, humorous story involving such a pivotal factor. So 1930s, Alfred Hitchcock thing. I think there is a, a Hitchcock movie where there's a gun hidden in – like it, the whole movie is in a ro- one room, but there's a gun in like a drawer or something, and you know – and the whole plot revolves around like the fact that there's a gun in there and it's like real suspenseful. And I, I felt like maybe MacGuffin comes from that movie. I forget. It's not Rear Window. It's not – I feel like it's uh, – I shouldn't throw things out that I don't know. But it, we'll have to research that and come back to you on uh, yeah. with MacGuffin. Or you can uh, write to Corey and uh, email Corey if you know. 
but uh, it is. Right. I think it's an interesting idea that maybe that is that's going to be a misdirection in itself. That the key actually isn't that important. That they jumped out of off cliffs, you know, hung off trains, did all this stuff uh, to find a key that really is not that important. I think that's that's yeah. very possible. That's very possible. Yeah. Second thing. Sure. Okay. Or or the key doesn't doesn't go to the submarine. They get to the submarine, and it, that's a that's a whole misdirection. It's actually like somewhere in the south. Somewhere Pole else. Or something. Yeah, no. that could certainly be. The other thing I thought uh, is interesting is the uh, trailer for this movie, and I saw forever was Tom Cruise <laughs> doing the jump on a motorcycle off a cliff, and then parachuting you know into whatever you don't know, but as you watch the movie, it's to land on a train. He's on a fast-moving train, he's got to jump off this cliff and, and land on. Um, and I remember when we saw it, it, it's now, I think you're two hours into the movie at this point, and you think, I thought, maybe we're getting to the end. And like, no, no, that can't be, because he hasn't jumped off the cliff on his bike yet. <laughs> so there's a point where he's got to get on the train, he misses the train, and his buddy, uh, Simon Pegg, Benji, Benji, um, tells him, you got to go down this path keep going and I'll tell you how to get on the train. Just trust me. And right away, I think I said to him, I'm like, yep, here comes jumping off the cliff part. Um, uh-huh. So I kind of felt that it spoiled the moment. Like if you wouldn't, it's a little bit like the, uh, the, the discussion about the key is that, so they sort of gave it away early of what the stunt was. What was the big production is, is him jumping off the cliff. But so when he's riding up his motorcycle up the mountain, I know what's going to happen. Like, Ethan Hunt's like, I don't know where you're taking me. And he's like, just keep going. But we know he's going to take him to the yeah. ledge. He's going to have to parachute and jump off. I thought that was a little bit like I'd almost rather – I was trying to think, would I rather not know about the stunt and see it in the movie and be sort of surprised and uh, and sort of take it as, as I see it for the first time? Or was it cool to see it in the trailer, know that he's he does crazy things, that Tom Cruise, and so it, but it takes a little <laughs> bit away from the movie – do you have an opinion on that? Man, Tom Cruise and his ballyhoo, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, – I, I don't know. I mean, it sold the movie. Uh, I Honestly, I think – I thought about this um, – like we were having this conversation the other day. I thought about it this way. Do you remember um, – oh, dang it. No, I can't think of the, of the movie. It was um, it was the one with the monster in New York City. It was the it was the oh, found footage. Uh, type. Yeah, uh, Cloverfield. Yes, was Cloverfield the first one or the second one? Cloverfield. Yeah, it was, it was the first one. The yeah, first Cloverfield. one. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, so Cloverfield had the most brilliant marketing campaign of any movie I've ever seen in my life, ever. Um, uh, you know, at that time, I watched a lot of TV. I watched TV on, you know, on like live TV, and uh, and they would they did these like one second blips, and it was this weird like uh, image of like New York City in smoke and fire and all this stuff, very apocalyptic. And you're like, what the heck was that? Because of the found footage movie, right? Yes, it was like from a, yeah like someone's camera, yeah, right. And and then and then they went from like one second to like three seconds, and then they went to like, you know, at the end of the three seconds, it was like, it was like, you know, it, it gave the release date, and that was it, in, in a real like scratchy, you know, whatever font that you could barely tell that was like real, and, and the whole thing, you're like, I mean, it gave you this uneasy, unsettling feeling, 
But the entire movie was sold off of that campaign. Well, similarly, you know, Mission Impossible, the entire movie wasn't even if, – if I said to you, hey, tell me one thing from the trailer for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, that you remember that stood out to you, you couldn't give me one thing. But if I told you – if I asked you, does Tom Cruise jump a cliff with a motorcycle in Dead Reckoning, you would say, yeah, of course. I see it on every single like preview that they put out for the movie. Right. And so people got hyped around a movie the same way that they did with Mission Impossible Fallout, where he was, you know, on the plane, he broke his ankle, that whole thing. Like those, that, that's another, that's another one that they, you know, they, they showed that in the trailer though, at least. The interesting thing about this one, like you're saying, is it wasn't even part of the trailer. They were, they just sold, it was interviews with Tom Cruise and the director going, okay, he's going to do this stuff. Like, like before the, before the movies, we would see for like the, the previews, there would be a four or five minute, um, trailer for mission impossible dead reckoning and it was just the day of the stunt right. like the actors not the kind actual like a, docu- a mini documentary of the stunt yeah a mini documentary exactly yes <laughs> right yeah right. it's just so crazy yeah and whatever i mean it was fine it's fine okay it's fine it's fine whatever but you could never do it again like they used they used that one thing and i don't think you could ever do that again yeah i i just wonder you know in the movie um, it was a little anticlimactic because I already knew what was going to happen. I mean, he he, he he's yep. worried about clearing the mountain. Like he's got to get far enough away from the mountain and skydive onto the, the train. Um, and they they can't show him go all the way down to the train because it doesn't actually land on the train uh, in real life. So it's just him jumping and you got to cut away. I just wonder if they're like, look, this is so monumental that I'm actually doing this. I've crushed six bikes. We've had all these takes. We built this ramp. I've risked my life. Like the movie doesn't do justice to the stunt. Like it's too quick, and people, if they didn't know, might think it's a CGI anyway. So it's like, yes, yes, we need to make sure people know if we're doing this that it's real, and we're gonna make this the deal. And so I, I wonder if they sort of push that a little bit because they they want people to know. I suppose they want people to come to the theater and saying like, look what we're doing to get your butts in the seat. So please, you know, humor us. But uh, I did think it took away from the movie a little bit. Like it just, I just already knew what was gonna happen. When it was sort of yep. like a surprise, you know, how is he going to get on this train? Well, you knew how he was going to get on this train. But, and plus, totally. then how he ends up getting in the train, he just blows through the window. Um, which, yeah. what are the chances? Like, of all the unrealistic things I saw in John Wick. And how do you do that and survive? <laughs> I know. That's, these, I mean, he, he wasn't even shaking. He just started fighting the guy. Yeah. And I'm like. What? He, like he, I don't know how fast you would be going. I, I I mean he must have oh. hit this parachute at some point, but he had to somehow get low enough and parallel enough and fast enough to blow through that train window and then right. bang into the side of the wall and then pop back up. Yeah, that it's crazy. That, that was crazy. Yeah, you really think about it. Um, Absolutely nuts. You know, it's but the idea of like is trailers do that ruin the movie or I mean, are you a trailer guy? Do you watch trailers? I love trailers. Absolutely love. And in fact, like one of the one of the movies that I'm really excited about uh, that's coming up is Wonka. Oh my gosh! I'm so excited. The trailer is so good. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm all about the anticipation and trailers. I, if people are like, oh, let's go get popcorn and soda, dude. First of all, I'm like, yeah, it's fine if you get there 15 minutes early. But if you make me miss trailers, I'm ticked. You know, I love trailers, too, although I think, you know, trailers more and more are giving away, you know, big chunks of the plot. Uh, there's I think it was one of the Terminator later Terminator movies where the big reveal at the end is like one of the good guys is a Terminator. His picture as half Terminator is on like the poster <laughs> at the front. Like it totally gave it away and it, it was in the trailer as well. So there's some real thought of like, uh, don't watch the trailer. You should, you'd be better off going into the movie mm-hmm. completely blind. In fact, don't even, if someone says it's a good movie, don't even tell you anything about the plot. Just, just show up yeah. and, and be surprised. I think there's something to that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I do think trailers are along and they, they give up they they can certainly give some away of the scene but i will say growing up i remember an empire strikes back was coming out and i used to you know there's before i go to school there was some show uh kind of a kids variety show out of chicago that i'd watch and he would do crafts and he would do different things and he showed a few seconds of Empire Strikes Back before the movie came out. And it was the scene where Luke Skywalker walks up onto the platform to fight Darth Vader on the lightsaber. That trailer and that little scene, I mean, for me, little Dave, uh, blew my mind. Like I, I was, I, I could have shot to the moon. I was so excited about this movie. (laughs) Star Wars changed my life. And then here comes Empire Strikes Back. I think it was worth it more to see that, few minutes and then have all that time to think about it and be excited yes. for it then to be surprised because there was enough surprises in the movie it didn't tell him that that's spoiler right. that darth vader was his dad or anything like that there was just him walking up and you knew at some point in this movie luke and darth are going to face off now when you watch the movie you know that's coming so it's not surprising when it happens so I think right. it's an interesting. Should you watch trailers or not? I think that's an interesting question. I, I think you should. I, I, you know, I think it's the whole um, argument around freemium uh, type of deal. It's like, okay, give away the game for free, but then like really, it's a pay to play to find the you know the rest of the secrets, um, or it's like coaching. Like the best coaches give some of their best advice, their top twenty percent advice. They give it away for free, yeah. and then it's it's the other eighty percent that people pay for that kind of fill in the gaps for that. Um, and so really it's what you're doing with the trailer. You're, you're giving away the, the, the top 20% for free, but it's like, you, you gotta come see the movie to get the rest and it fills in all the gaps. And we've just become that society. I don't know. There's a better way for me. I absolutely love, uh, you know, also I don't, I don't mind being, I don't mind spoilers, even if they're real spoilers, I don't mind them that much. Yeah. Um, Cause I still, I still enjoy the experience. So it's, it's partly a, a personnel per person, you know, type of thing, I think. Yeah. I think that's, although I, I love the, uh, in the Simpsons when Homer and Bart go see Empire Strikes Back and Homer's walking past the next line of people getting into the theater and there's all these people and he goes, I can't believe Darth oh. Vader was Luke's father. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst. I would never forgive someone for spoiling that. I saw that in the theater first time live you know finding that out and man that just blew my mind at 11 years old or whatever i was so um you 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 hate spoilers what's the what's the worst spoiler you've ever received uh that's a good question i do know uh when i saw rocky 4 we were sitting in the theater and i told my friend i said hey the russian's a robot 
And uh, he said he is. And I said, yep. And he stood up and turned to the face of the rest of the theater. He said, hey, everybody, the Russian's a robot. And everyone was like, boo. Cause, and, 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 and actually, I thought I made it up. But then if you remember in the movie, they have like a robot butler. And I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe he is a robot because they sort oh. of start. So then people are really getting sort of heated. Like, And then when it turns out that he takes steroids or he gets a shot, we thought, all right, maybe he's not a robot. But that yeah. you know, we had a tense movie when I saw Rocky Four. <laughs> That's awesome. But That's uh, so spoil. Um, I think there's been some. Might have been TV shows I've seen where like Twitter spoiled it for me. Like someone okay. sort of threw out there. I can't think of what it would be. Do you have a spoil? I know you're Mr. Spoiler, right? Yeah, I, th- th- there's actually a, a meme about me called Spoiler Alert Corey. If you follow me on Facebook, you can find them all over my uh, my Facebook uh, profile photos and stuff. Um, yeah, I I'm famous for spoiling things. My thing is if it's if it's not in theaters anymore and you haven't seen it, I don't care. Like I'm going to talk <laughs> about it, you know. Yeah. So and people get you know they get all all heard about that and stuff. I don't care. Um, and uh, and I and I really don't have any remorse around it. Um, you know, we we listen. I feel like it's so self-centered for you to be like. It's not self-centered for the person who's given the spoiler. It's self-centered for the person who's like, wait a minute, this movie's been out for six months, and now you're like, you're gonna talk about it. You gotta wait for 16 years when you're around me. It's like, come yeah. on, dude. <laughs> That's true. Like, if you really cared about it, you would have went and saw it. You know, right. and uh, it, but uh, for me, nothing's really been spoiled for me because um, I. Even if it was, I wouldn't care because I, you know, I don't yeah. worry about the kind of stuff. Life's too short, yeah, to worry about. <laughs> Life's yeah, too short. Uh, except if it was, uh, there are probably some that I'm glad I wasn't spoiled with. But anyway, uh, it's getting to be a long podcast here. Anything else on Mission Impossible that you want to talk about that you enjoyed? Nothing on Mission Impossible, but I would love to. I would love to hear um, what. Well, first of all, what about you? Anything else on Mission Impossible? Um, there's just great action with it. There's, I thought the part where they're. Um, there's a car chase scene where Ethan Hunt yeah. is handcuffed to the woman who is sort of the new sort of woman in his life because the one dies, yeah. which some people that really yeah. follow Mission Impossible movies were quite upset yeah. that uh, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson's Sad. character, Elsa, died. Elsa, uh, so spoiler there. But he ends up – but he ha- – because it's in Europe, they drive on the other side. So he has to cross yeah. his arms and drive or she has to drive – and uh, I thought that whole scene of them being chased around Paris was was excellent. So uh, oh, they're just a, a great... smart car, basically. Yeah, it's a smart it was... car. That's true too. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's sort of a nonstop action. Tom Cruise is great. I highly recommend it. So go ahead. That's all I really had to say about Mission Impossible. Yeah. So my question is, what movies are you looking forward to most for the rest of the summer? Well, I want to see Oppenheimer. For sure. Yes. So that's, that, that's my most anticipated for the whole summer. Yeah. I think that one is, uh, I still haven't seen Indiana Jones and um, I'm surprised. And now we're going to get s- stuck with the smaller theater. Um, it's off yeah. all the big ones, yeah. which is too bad. Um, yeah. Life just got busy, but uh, I, I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. Although I can't say that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect, perfect movie to me. The other two are great because I was a kid watching them, but they are not as good as Indiana. Like you could never replicate sure. Raiders, but Raiders is so good. Like I just be a fan of Indiana Jones the rest of my life, you know, that's, um, but for the rest of the summer or the rest of the year, uh, let's see, 2023. 
uh, movies. Uh, what about you? Do you have any other ones that you're interested in? I'm I'm pumped about Wonka. And, and oh, it you sounds said Wonka. Like so it's so weird because it's like oh another Willy Wonka movie and like it's weird for a, for a man at 35 to be like pumped about a chocolate factory kid whatever. Dude, it looked. It looks unbelievable. So I'm really excited about that. I really want to see Indiana Jones. I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, uh, I've seen Barbie six times now, so that was a great movie. No, I'm joking. Uh, I did not I did not see Barbie. Um, uh, wink, wink. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, Oppenheimer is, is, is my most anticipated summer movie for sure. Yeah, Dune Part 2. Dune was, uh, was the trailer yep. that we did watch. And uh, yep. I... I can't say, you know, Dune, I, I need to see that in a theater. I think I watched that at home. I think that was kind of during the during the COVID that it was kind of iffy. Yes. You're going to I watched movies. it on a plane and I fell asleep. So yeah, it's, I, I mean, I, I think the Hans Zimmer score is amazing. Um, that I'm not thinking of who the, the director is, but uh, Ariatu maybe? Or anyway, but the, I think that that is going to be a really uh, good movie. I don't know what's coming out for Christmas time. Um, I don't know if there's any. I know there's another Marvel movie coming out, Miss um, Marvel. I think there's a few things. So, I guess what in the near term, and I think we'll be reviewing. Eventually, we'll get to Indiana Jones. Uh, eventually, we'll get to Oppenheimer. I don't know if we'll see Barbie. Although I've every I've seen jokes about Barbie. It looks funny. Um, yeah. So yeah. you know that's maybe that's a renter to me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. It's good. It's good. Oh, and uh, Meg Two. Meg Two is coming two, out. The sh- it's Shark Week. The Megalodon. That's yeah. right. <laughs> oh, also, also, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles looks really good. Oh, uh, that's not for me. That's it's like it's like the cartoon one. That yeah, that that, that kind of missed your generation probably. That's <clears throat> I'm just missed uh yeah Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I'm sure that's just like uh, Mario when we saw Mario together. Uh, that was I'm just yeah. a little bit old for the Mario. <laughs> And watching as a nine o'clock was probably not the best. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up this podcast. Corey, do you want to just mention again all the details with redemption and things that are going on real quick? Yep. I would just say, uh, listen, if you don't belong to a community, if you need if you need uh, people in your life to just love you through the hard times, to be with you, if uh, if, if you need community uh, there, there, I have not found a better community than what I found at redemption. And so. Um, you know, regardless of what's going on at Redemption, ultimately those things are uh, really good and uh, preaching about Jesus is really good. But I think realistically for you, if uh, if you've made it this far in the in the podcast, you might just need a place to call home and some people who can love you through the hard times. And so we'd love to we'd love to be that for you. So come come visit us. RedemptionSTL.com. Uh, check us out there. All right. Well, good deal. I think the next movie will be, as I said, probably Oppenheimer or maybe Indiana Jones, depending on uh, uh, what the schedule looks like. But look for hopefully uh, another podcast in the next few weeks or so. Uh, We're trying to get our act together and see some more movies. But uh, until that time, look forward to talking to you soon. See you later, everybody. Bye.